Every day, thousands of hackers try to steal your crypto. But Arculus uses air-gapped technology by forming a protective barrier that insulates you from hackers and secures your crypto. Order yours at GetArculus.com. Happy Sunday, everyone, and welcome back to Promenade Middle East, where we go over the weekly news of the region. And this week was a lot. There have been a lot of rising tensions. We're going to go over so many Iran updates today. So stay put and let's get started. We're going to start, however, with Palestinian elections coverage. Their elections are due for May 22nd, 2021, so in about a month now. Hamas was unhappy this week that an Al-Qasim Brigades member, Hassan Salameh, was not permitted to run for office by the elections committee. Salameh, however, is a convicted militant serving a lifetime sentence for terrorism as he was the mastermind behind several suicide bombings. All right, so you know how I mentioned that there were a lot of Iran updates? We're going to get started with those right now. So grab a comfy seat, turn up the volume, and listen up because there was a lot of news coming out of the Islamic Republic over the past week. First of all, Iran announced the arrest of an Israeli spy and several spies of other nationalities in the province of East Azerbaijan early in the week. This arrest occurred last year, according to Iranian media. Next, as many of you probably already know, there have been indirect talks over the JCPOA in Vienna this week. The U.S. and Iran began these indirect and highly under-the-table talks as the Iranians actually refused to meet with the Americans directly, but we still have an envoy there, so that's the gist, on Tuesday in Vienna regarding the JCPOA. A news agency run by the Iranian state reported on the very first day that a protester outside the hotel in Vienna attempted to attack it, but failed. However, I couldn't find these reports in any other media channels, so I wouldn't call it legit. The talks began on a very positive note and resumed for a second day on Friday. The sides got straight to the point, reportedly constructing a list of both what Washington and Tehran must do in order to return to the deal. But on Thursday, the State Department admitted that the talks were constructive, but also cautioned that we shouldn't get our hopes up. Using a similar tone, the U.S. admitted that they still have doubts over Iran's willingness to engage in good faith. As an official said, quote, it remains to be seen whether the seriousness of purpose is matched by Iran, end quote. According to another official, the talks will be headed nowhere if Iran continues insisting that America lift all Trump-era sanctions before Iran concedes anything. Still, the talks are expected to continue again toward the middle of this upcoming week. Meanwhile, back in Iran, the country held its annual National Nuclear Technology Day on Saturday yesterday, where they announced the launch of another new set of advanced centrifuges, almost 200 more at the Natanz plant to be exact. During the commemorative video conference, President Rouhani also unveiled 133 nuclear achievements and projects, including the construction of a spin test machine and novel use of 3D printing materials. Rouhani held that the nuclear activities are for peaceful purposes throughout the conference. Also domestically, Iran's health minister reported that the country, quote, has lost control of containing the COVID-19 dragon, end quote, on Monday as it faces a fourth wave of cases after Nowruz, the Persian New Year. Facing its highest numbers in four months, officials revealed that the most common strain is now the British variant. Iran has ordered a 10-day shutdown of the country in order to lower these numbers. Next update, Tehran's outgoing military prosecutor, Turkey, revealed that 10 people have been indicted in the downing of the Ukrainian flight PS752 in January 2020 while handing his office to his successor. However, Turkey did not name those indicted, despite international criticism related to the final report released last month that also did not name anyone except human error. The downing of this flight killed 176 people. 
Turning to international tension now, the Iranian ship Savi is believed to be a base for the IRGC, which has been located in the Red Sea off the Yemeni coast for years now, was attacked on Tuesday. Iran has claimed that the ship is there for anti-piracy purposes, but many are suspicious based on the location close to the proxy war in Yemen in which the Iranian-backed Houthis are fighting. Of course, the attack was blamed on Israel, but Saudi Arabia has also criticized the ship's long-term presence in the region. Israel, however, did apparently inform the U.S. that they carried out an attack on the ship Tuesday morning, according to an anonymous official. Iranian media said that a limpet mine placed on the ship's hull caused the attack, and Israeli naval forces in the area are now on an all-time high alert. In the wake of the massive quarter-century deal, investment deal in Iran, Beijing is now transferring 5,000 troops to protect the investment, although the exact location that they will choose for a base is still TBD. This is China's first military position in the Gulf region and will expand the Chinese economic corridor within Pakistan as well. Popular resentment of the deal is still ongoing. All right, second to last update now on Iran. Iran has freed the South Korean tanker it took back in January in order to get South Korea to release billions of dollars of funds held in South Korean banks. So I actually wanted to get this episode out and recorded earlier today. However, this story came up and it is heating up quickly, so I did delay it a little bit. But this is the final update. Last night, EST, so Sunday afternoon, mid-morning in Iran, if my math is correct, a spokesman for Iran's atomic energy organization revealed an accident occurred in a part of the electricity distribution network of the Natanz facility. And as mentioned earlier, the Natanz facility is the exact facility that they revealed the new advanced centrifuges to be at during their National Nuclear Technology Day yesterday. The incident is now under investigation, but Iran's nuclear energy chief Salehi has labeled the incident an, quote, act of terrorism, end quote, and said that Iran, quote, reserves the right to respond. In Israel, Channel 12 stated that the country's security cabinet will convene next week to discuss Iran and rising tensions in the region, and Channel 13 reported that Mossad was behind this electric attack. I hope that was a good and comprehensive review of what is going on in Iran, but we are going to move on now. After the alleged attempted coup last week in Jordan, Jordan banned media coverage of the case against Prince Hamza. The Saudi foreign minister did visit the country on Tuesday to confirm support for King Abdullah in person, and King Abdullah said Wednesday that the situation has stabilized and that the matter will be taken care of within the royal family. However, a UN human rights officer has voiced concerns over the arrests, noting that whether Prince Hamza is still under house arrest or not is unclear. And another, however, Prince Hamza did appear with King Abdullah earlier today during a ceremony marking 100 years of Jordanian independence. This was their first appearance together since the tensions broke out. Turning to a few updates on Saudi Arabia now, the country announced a peace initiative in Yemen last week and has taken steps to further consolidate the effort. The announcement called for a UN-supervised ceasefire, reopening of the capital Sana'a airport to civilian traffic, reducing restrictions on the Hodaida port, and the continuation of negotiations. The Saudis cited former peace efforts as failing because they were spearheaded by the United Nations alone. However, this one could be better due to the Saudi direct engagement, according to them. 
Domestically, Saudi Arabia postponed the second dose of the COVID-19 vaccine due to a global shortage in vaccine manufacturing. The Ministry of Health strategically decided to push back the second dose in order to ensure that more Saudi citizens receive their first injections. According to official figures, 17.5% of the kingdom's population, or over 6.1 million people, have already received their first dose. The Saudis also executed three former defense ministry soldiers who were convicted of high treason and cooperating with an enemy. They never actually identified which enemy they were accused of committing treason with. The Saudis also announced that they they will only be allowing Muslims inoculated against COVID-19 to complete Hajj starting in the month of Ramadan. In Israel, police are accused of beating member of parliament Ofer Kassif after he attended a protest of settlements in the Palestinian town of Sheikh Jarrah in East Jerusalem. Sorry, I can't do the Jarrah without the French arts, like a fall to mine in languages. But Kassif told a media channel about the beating and appeared with a swollen eye and broken glasses. An official police statement says a protester had begun to attack the police when things turned sour. The statement also says that the attacker was released when it became clear that he was a member of parliament. Many members of parliament, including of opposing size, did denounce the incident. And finally, a more interesting good news, actually. In Egypt, Egyptologists uncovered a lost city of gold in Luxor, which is home to the Valley of the Kings as well. They say that this is the largest ancient city ever found in the country and dates back to the Golden Age of Pharaohs. Egypt also held an extravagant ceremony to commemorate the move of 22 mummies from central Cairo to a new museum further south. And if you haven't seen this video yet, make sure to watch it. It it was such an impressive ceremony, just absolutely beautiful. And if you're interested in ancient history, you'll definitely be interested in that. And on that note, that is it for this long weekly update on the Middle East. I hope you learned a lot and feel more informed now. My name is Megan. I'm your host for Promenade Middle East, and I will talk to you again next week. As always, thank you so much for listening. Hey, employers, ready to cover more and save more? When you bundle United Healthcare Medical with our life, disability, dental, and or vision, your medical plan costs may drop. Plus, you'll be offering more of the benefits employees want. For more details, visit uhc.com slash bundled. Minimum participation requirements may apply for bundling programs. Benefits and programs may not be available in all states or for all group sizes. Components subject to change. Insurance coverage provided by or through United Healthcare Insurance Company or its affiliates. Administrative services provided by United Healthcare Services, Inc. Health plan coverage provided by or through Optimum Choice, Inc. or United Healthcare of the Mid-Atlantic, Inc. Thank you.